the idea that you open your mouth and say stuff. It doesn't have to be the most witty, devastating sort of thing. If no one laughs, you haven't been shot. Hi, this is the Bring a Brick podcast, interviewing professionals from around the world who use improvisation in their work and in their life. I'm your host, John Cooper. My guest today is Dan Starkey. Um, Dan is an actor and has appeared in series such as Doctor Who, Inside Number 9, and you can currently see him in Class Dismissed on CBBC. I met Dan back in 2015 at the Liverpool Improvathon. He's very active on the improv scene and he's agreed to come on the show. Hello, Dan. Thanks for coming. Hello. Hi. Yeah, that's Thank you for that introduction. It's a nice uh, summation of my uh, <laughs> highlights from my recent CV. That's great. Yeah, well, it's, it's, you know, I, I try to get stuff and then delve outside of it. But it's a basic yeah. thing. Um, can you just elaborate a bit more on yourself and your work? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I, 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 I'm an actor. I, I do lots of I do lots of things. I mean, that's 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 the you've mentioned stuff uh, that I do on screen there. Um, I work in theatre as well. Um, I just recently sort of finished doing a show at Northampton Royal. Called Peter and the Starcatcher, which was like a you know sort of like a just a, a, a theatrical play, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah, as you say, I, I've um, yeah, I delve into improv as well, and um, yeah, I think it's I suppose it's quite useful. I I, I first started learning improv. Um, I did it for about a year or so before I went to drama school proper. Okay, and uh, that was a very good. It sort of set me up, really. I think I've always find it a very useful touchstone to return to, mm-hmm. you know, when so like to recharge one's batteries, you know, because sometimes, you know, acting is one thing, but then actually having a living sort of like as an actor is quite a different proposition. And sometimes yeah. you can yeah, get yeah. sort of like jaded and sort of wonder what you're doing it for. But I find improv is it's it's very healthy. It's a, it's a good it's a good healthy it's a good muscle that sort of uh, keeps you limber. Yeah, that's and, not, and, not I, a mixed I, metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is is good it's a useful tool i mean obviously this podcast um is is about people who use improv in their work and it's kind of i'm, I'm being tenuous because but because i really wanted to talk to you because i've seen how active you are in improv even though you're kind of saying it's something that you dip into and is a touchstone which is great yeah um how did what is what is your story of finding improv when was the what were your early days recollections of what what are these people doing and what's this thing all about okay well well the way i got into it was um I think various people I knew, I did, I did plays and stuff at university. Um, and then after university, I thought, oh, I wouldn't mind being an actor, but I'm not quite sure how to do that. I, didn't, I wasn't completely 100% about it. Because there were some people who I was at university with who clearly just went straight to drama school. Yeah, this is what I'm going to do. Have that absolute mm-hmm. tunnel vision, you know, very successful, you know, which is great for them. But I was a bit more kind of like, mm, can I do this? But I remember lots of people had a copy of Impro. Uh, by Keith Johnston. Yes. And so I got my own copy from Waterstones. And um, I think I was doing, yeah, I was helping a mate out with this kind of like zero budget short film we were making in a car park. Okay. And one of the actors, actresses, um, I got talking to her about the Keith Johnston book and so we're going, oh, it's really got all these interesting things in it. And I, so I lent her my copy. And then she mentioned, I saw her again, so like a couple of, uh, couple of weeks later. Mm-hmm. Or um, and she said, "Oh, there's this, 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 this company um, up in North London who um, who actually do classes based on this." And I did a w- workshop with them. They're really good. You should think about it. And so that turned out to be the spontaneity shop. Ah, yes, yeah. And, um, and so yeah, I I, said, I think um, my old day job for some reason I got a sort of lump sum of holiday pay they forgot to pay me. So that was kind of like, a, oh right, okay. So I uh, I I invested that in uh, in a couple of their sort of they did a sort of crash course. Uh, a fort, uh, two weekend, two weekends on the trot of sort of like uh, doing all the basics of Keith Johnston's sort of um, okay. improvisation. Yeah, and that sort of that sort of hooked me really because it was kind of um, 
it's when it, when it's explained to you in that way. I mean, I think I was very very well taught by by Tom Slinsky and Deborah Francis White, who were who mm-hmm. were running it. Um, and it's it's a, it's a kind of it's a kind of training that it all seems amazingly obvious when it's explained to you. But <laughs> sort of going through and going, oh yeah, of course, yeah, storytelling. Oh yeah, say things and then sort of yeah, agree with someone and then build on what you've both you know because it, it's it's that awful thing of <clears throat> you know having sort of seen who who's who's line, who's lines anyway when I was a kid and thinking yeah. oh, that's amazing. When you're trying to like play that with your friends at school or whatever or sort of like show, you know, everyone's showing off and so when the, no one's really listening to each other. Yeah, and it becomes very competitive, not in a useful way, and then inevitably, sort of, uh, you know, smart artery wins out as opposed to sort of building something and being generous. And I think certainly, certainly, um, I, I did these these two weekend courses with the spawn shop, and then I did about a year's worth of evening classes with them. Uh, okay, um, up to and during that during that time, I, I again one of my friends chivied me to put a proper application into drama school, which I did do late. And then I got into Bristol, um, Bristol Old Vic Theatre School. Okay. But I think it was all that, 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 those, those evening classes, having that weekly sort of thing, workout of doing stuff and, you know, learning to trust your instincts and learning how to work with people. And the idea that you open your mouth and say stuff, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be the most witty, devastating sort of thing. If no one laughs, you haven't been shot. I remember that was, that was the kind of, a, it's not like being in front of a, it's not like being in front of a firing squad. It's the whole thing. If you say stuff and blurt stuff, then at least you've got things to work with. And then you go on. And I think it's it, it, lots of it. Lots of it was. I don't know if this is specific to the Keith Johnson sort of school, but it was kind of um, quite zen in terms of yeah. just relax, try and be average, and then something amazing might come out. But don't feel that you have to constantly prove, you know, sort of prove yourself and be brilliant all the time. Because I think that was a very useful, very useful lesson to actually to actually have. You don't have to be like the, the funniest guy in the room all the time. You yes, know, just, just listen and be present, yeah. and, then, yeah. and then things will happen. And I think that that set me in good stead for. Um, for, for when I when I actually auditioned for, uh, for for drama school for Bristol because I went in there so I had one audition cycle the years before I auditioned once for Rada and I was just a bag of nerves and that didn't go very well but then I auditioned for but also I preferred the, the feel of, of Bristol when I went there but it was the kind of thing okay I'm going to do some speeches and if they go well they go well if they don't I don't you know and it was a very good way of sort of relaxing oneself and so like so you can fly. Yeah, well, yeah, rather than force things. So, so that was that was my introduction into it. But yeah, just just having a year's worth of a year's worth of um, of improvisation classes, and also kind of you know just just by by virtue of all the other people doing that, because there were some fun yeah. people doing it at the time. It was kind of building an ensemble without really realizing it. So, lots of people that you trust being on stage with, and so like you see who you click with, and other people, oh, they're really mm-hmm. good, really good, or whatever. It's it's just it's just and so like knowing what people's strengths are and so like what you can draw and it was it was very sort of gent you know it was it was it was a very well taught course and it was very gentle in the way that it sort of um to introduce different different formats to you and, and so on. Yeah, yeah, and a couple of times in 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 your answer there, you make you mentioned kind of like there's it's not about being the funniest person in the room and if you don't no, laugh no. you're not going to be shot. Uh, however, obviously that's a, a a kind of a an expectation, isn't it? You want to entertain, you yeah. know, and and it's it's it's. I'm not, I'm not going to say unusual. It's kind of like that. One of the benchmarks of are you doing well in improv is whether you get a laugh or not. Even though that's not specifically yeah. kind of like you know, it's not one of the. It's one of the many one of the goals, but it's not specific to it. Um, yeah. You obviously have. You've done a lot of comedy work. You've done a, a lot yeah. of that. The work that you get asked for is is that I, the, your t- TV work is comedy work. Um, do you see yourself as a comedy performer or is that just one of your bits of range and is that where the improv comes in specifically in comedy or do you use it more in broad theatre as well? 
I think um, certainly, certainly, sort of like uh, comedy is definitely is, is definitely something I can do, um, and it's and it's sort of certainly a sort of comfort. I mean, I think any any actor on stage, you'll find that if the audience laugh when you're doing a play, then oh god, at least they're listening, which is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know you missed an emotional reaction from your audience, which is yeah. kind of as, as a as an actor on stage, that's 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 that, that's a good thing. That's a good thing you can pat, you pat yourself on the back with. Um, <clears throat> but yes, yeah, so I suppose, but, but it's not the only thing I do, certainly. But I think, you know, I suppose it's like that, um, that quote about directing Hamlet. You know, if you get all the jokes right in Hamlet, the tragedy will look after itself. Right. You know, okay. it's, it's the kind that's of thing nice that thought. that's, that's, um, yeah, getting, getting, getting the humour right and calibrating it is, um, yeah, that, that, that can sometimes be very technical and very exacting. And, and certainly with some descriptive stuff that I've done, you know, I can read a script and go, okay, that's a funny line. I've got to land that properly yeah. in order for it to, to, in order for it to, um, to prove, uh, to prove itself. Um, whereas, you know, with other things, there's, there's, there's not quite that distinction. There's a whole number of different ways of, you know, which you can sort of, sort of like perform a line of Shakespeare. But I think, I think again, it's, it, it's about holy instincts really and sort of listening to yourself and listening to the people you're on stage with. It's the fundamental skills that you've got, you know, as uh, as an actor. I mean, one thing which we were always um, which we were always taught is sort of like try and give the person you're on stage with a good time. Yeah, and I think that's that's a very nice thing as well. Obviously, you let the audience into it as well. It's not just a, sort of like a, a little sniggering joke for you know the, the people on stage having more fun than the audiences, and there's probably something going on there as well. Yeah, but it's um, I, th- I think that's a it's yeah it's, it, um, certainly it chimes with my instinct, which is to be generous to one's audience. That it's not just something. Uh, Actually, on the first day of sorry, a bit of a stream of consciousness. On the first day of uh, drama school, one of the one of, one of the axioms was like, "When you're doing a speech, don't look at the floor. What the hell is there? Don't look at that fucking floor." It was um, you know, and it, there is that sort of slight sub school of sort of like, oh, "I'm going to be very intense and measured," and so I stare at the floor and mumble, and that that doesn't that doesn't help you. <laughs> that doesn't help you sort of convey. That doesn't help you communicate stuff to the uh, to the wider audience, and it's quite boring to watch after a while. But uh, hang on, where did this come from? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but well, I, I, think, I think with the, the, yeah, the listening to the audience and so like listening to the people you're on stage with, I think yes. that's, that's and yes. remaining present. That's that's what it's all for. And yeah. I think yeah. comedy is is part of that because. You know, you can go and so like parrot out lots of one-liners, and there is slight room for that, but. With 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 improvisation, listening and finding those little sparks of the moment, and sort of hearing what the audience are laughing at and hearing what your performers are, sort of, are giving you, that's that's all. The, 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 yeah, it was the terminology of um, of being given an offer by someone, which I think yes. is a much more healthy way of doing it. It's, yeah. no, it's not a challenge. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, it's not a challenge. Offer. I mean, there are some actors who are much more kind of. Um, I'm doing my thing. Mm-hmm. And everyone's got a certain space, got to support my thing, and I'm doing this. And so, as soon as you actually sort of do something like you know, do something in an interesting way or whatever, then oh, that, that that's instantly an affront or whatever. And I just I find that just quite anathema to to the way in which I would approach things. Um, yeah. yeah, you learn you learn how to you learn how to mitigate it as well, and, and be be a team player, be part of the ensemble as well. But it's kind of a, those those are the ways in which yeah, the the instincts are yeah, the instincts are honed. Yeah. I, I recall the the Liverpool Improvathon when I met you in, in 2015, and yep. there were there were certain scenes where you, you would come on, and it's that thing, and it, 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 it might come from the world of improv, and like not where you 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 just start the scene with a silence, and you were yeah. and you wait for it to be filled with something, yes. you know, it's and, like and even if it's silence, then the way in which you've walked on, you know, the way in which you're holding yourself, the way in which yes, you, know, you happen to sort of uh, you know sort of scratch your nose or something that. People will, the, you know, the theatre is a, as, as soon as you've got a stage, 
people will ascribe meaning to it. Yeah. You know? So you try and walk on in as, you know, it's one of the exercises we did at drama school, walk on in as neutral ways as, as possible. And, mm. you, you know, it's very difficult to, people go, oh, you're holding your shoulder like, a, you know, in, a, in an odd way. It's like, no, that's just my crap posture. <laughs> <laughs> but people will understand things and create their own narratives on top of that. So it's, yes. it's just sort of a, it's about firing the imagination. Yeah, yeah, there's a, it, it reminds <laughs> me of, um, and again, I'm possibly going off on a tangent as I do, uh, mm. there's a, a, a teacher called Jill Bernard in the states and she right. did this little book of improv uh and she has a thing called vapapo and and the basic vap ones are voice um voice animal and posture and just just pick one and run with it you um, know or pick two and run with them and yeah. it's kind of like you know how you can create things from from nothing so to speak um, yeah i think i think i've done exercises similar to that as well sort of animal spines and sort of yeah find- yeah, finding creatures and and obviously at drama school actually Bristol was quite unusual because we didn't actually do animal studies even though we we're around the corner from Brist- uh, from Bristol Zoo. But uh, <laughs> most most drama schools you know have a term being a giant squid or something. But uh, yeah. we just we did just lots of tap dancing and sort of like stuff that might get you a job. It was much yeah. more aggressive in that respect. <laughs> Okay, we, we just mentioned creatures, so let's let's yeah. just drill drill right down. You were Strax in Doctor <clears throat> Who, yes, um, which is one of the reasons I've got you on to talk to you. Uh, <laughs> here's, just, here's my ticket to, uh, <laughs> to a whole world of uh, a whole world of wonderful invitations, which I haven't necessarily earned. So he's uh, yeah. I'm very grateful to him. <clears throat> um, I yeah. I remember it's kind of like watching you in the series. Um, really funny, kind of finding that wonderfully fine line between kind of being very being a comedy relief character and yet retaining the dramatic tension. And, yeah, you know, and really funny bits in there. Yeah. And then there was a series of uh, online shorts that were released um, over Christmas, and, yeah. and I watched those. And and the bit in the back of my brain went, I don't think they're scripted. I think they're improvised. And you know, was I correct in my assumptions? The Christmas Carol stuff that you sang in character as Strax. How much of that was? How much of that was scripted, and how much was improvised? No, that was me. It was a very long um, and quite fraught day on set shooting due to various things, you know, because there are 101 different things that can go wrong on set. Something to do with the carpentry or the lights aren't working. Yeah. So as a result, we were waiting around for ages. So I started making up sort of like uh, carols in character as Strax because it was in the run up to Christmas. OK. And Matt Smith overheard me and went, oh, that's funny. I know, we'll get the director across. And then Saul, who was Saul Metstein, was, um, was, uh, who was the director, so I went, oh, that's brilliant. Right. Don't tell because, you know, on set you have your... Um, your first AD, yes. who was uh, responsible for sort of like uh, expediting the schedule, and usually they, you know, they, they 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 do the best they can. But this this day was quite a fraught day, and uh, our director was like called called everyone. It was like, okay, after the next scene, we'll just get around by the console, and then I'll get you to uh, I'll get you to do it, and then we'll film it. And you could I could see thinking, you know, I, I, th- these things make me laugh, but I don't know whether anybody else will. And then. Um, He's like, okay, go around. And then the first AD was looking at his head going, what, what the hell is this? What the, what, 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 there's a time and a place. He was getting really, really upset. And so I was wow. like, yeah, heart was palpitating going, right, okay, let's get, get this right. And then they filmed the first one and everyone laughed. And then filmed the second one and then, and then it was funny. And then it went up to the producers and luckily they laughed as well. So they didn't go, why are you wasting BBC time and resources? <laughs> so there was, there was a bit of pressure there. Yeah, slightly, yes, yeah, yeah, and but the, all those reactions are kind of. It was the first time that quite a lot of them had, had heard, had heard at least one or two of them or something. So all, all that is a genuine, is a genuine laugh reaction. But I'm very, I'm very proud of those because it was kind of. Um, that's 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 the, uh, yeah, that's that's just that's just me sort of riffing within the character. Yeah. Because the, the character is, you know, he's he obviously works with a certain set of parameters, but it's it's a very it, it, most of it most of it isn't improvised. It's a very well written comedy script, and mm. as I say, you know. In each scene, Strax will have 
about three lines. Madame Vastra, who uh, he, he works for, my friend Neve McIntosh, she will have pages and pages of difficult exposition to come across and she will explain the plot. And then I'll have about three gags and everyone remembers those. But um, so it's very economically written. But equally, it means that I've got to land each of those ones sort of properly. So, you know, what I'm doing there is my skill as an actor and so like interpreting text. But that was very nice. The the Christmas carols were very nice because it enabled me to actually sort of use my skills, you know, as an improviser and sort of like, you know, again, obeying my instincts as to what the character would do. And then, you know, seeing those to a comic effect. Yeah, no, that in a, was in a wider forum. Yeah, yeah, that was great to see. That was great to see. Um, yeah, I was fascinated about that process because when I watched it, I just thought, you know, I wonder how that fits behind the scenes in terms of trust to yeah, to yeah, be yeah. given the ability to go. No, we know what we're doing within the confines of this, even though it was just a short thing. Like yes. it's it's a big offer and it's a big ask. And, and, and it, it was a nice, it was, yeah, as I said, it was, it was quite a tough day on set and it was, everyone had a good laugh at that. And that was a nice tension reliever as well, you know, and eventually, you know, the, 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 the first, the first AD sort of did, did see the funny side of it as well. <laughs> so it was kind of a, that was a relief, but it's interesting. I mean, the very first time I was on Doctor Who, when I wasn't playing Strax, I was playing a different Sontaran. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was also that director, it was his first job on um on the series as well and he was much more prescriptive in terms of what he wanted just because i think he was very aware that you know this is a, this this is a wonderful opportunity i want to make sure it's okay yes and so there was much less leeway to actually sort of make the part my own whereas by the time we did those ones you know i was kind of semi-regular on that series so we all yeah. had a kind of work, a good working relationship in a way that you know you you know inevitably it's, it's a weird thing about it. something like a, a show in the theater you know you're rehearsing for a month or two beforehand and so by the time you get to the stage everyone's got some kind of complicity sort of um, working with each other. Whereas with TV, you just like turn up, boom, you're on set. You're sort of opposite someone who you recognise off the telly. And you've got to produce the goods. And so it can be, you know, quite high stakes. Whereas that at least, you know, you feel like you're part of the, you know, I felt I was much more part of the gang by then. So it's, um, but I mean, also the Doctor Who said, it's it's quite a nice and special one. And it is pressured and it is fraught, but I think everyone's appreciative that it's 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 an exciting series that, that yeah. you're making. and and most people who work on it now as well have, have been fans of it in the past as well as children or or adults as well so it's kind of yes you can, you can see there's a lot of love behind yeah, the scenes in terms absolutely. of that yeah I, I got to go behind the scenes of um sleep no more um oh. when it was on and i was in the studio it was oh man uh i i was there got to meet capaldi got to meet i was there and this this is sorry i'm digressing i was there um <laughs> peter capaldi was there a mate of mine beth was in it um mark gatis was there and then russell t davis and david tennant just <laughs> showed up of course they did. Of yes. course they did. No one believes me. And then yes. David Peter Capaldi comes out, meets David Tennant, says, "Have you yes. seen my TARDIS?" And David Tennant says, "No, I haven't." And then <laughs> Capaldi rounds up all the people from yeah. the viewing gallery and takes them onto his TARDIS with David Tennant and Russell T oh. Davis. And it's kind of like no one. There was no footage of it. I think one guy took one photo because you're not allowed to. But it's no, kind of like no, you, can't, you can't. It's kind yeah. of like this really happened. This really happened. No, it didn't. Yes. Yeah, it did. No, it didn't. So yeah. yeah claim to fame um really exciting stuff and and yeah i i really wanted to that was a question that i really didn't want to ask you so um you've just done the london improvathon yeah yes yes yeah. and yeah. how long was that uh that was 50 hours 50 hours yeah. and you did the whole lot i did yes I, I did um i did the i did my first 50 last year last year right. I, I did the 50 again this year yeah I, um i did i did ha- I, I did ha- i had a brief kip 
on so like on the wee hours of Sunday morning. I just yeah. allowed myself that because I was starting to feel very strange. But mm-hmm. uh, other than that, I did the whole thing. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've only ever done twelve hours, and that was that one that we did together. Ah, how, yes. how, how do you pre- can you prepare for a fifty-hour improvathon? What what are the <laughs> what are, what are the bits you've got to get over? I don't know. Well, there's the anticipation, looking forward to it because it's very exciting and it's um, yeah. and it's and it's fun. There's no, there's a limit to how much you can prepare for it. I think I think your body knows. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I mean, I've never run a marathon or something, but I, I imagine there must be some, some kind of psychological kind of uh, thing going into it. Um, but you know, I, I know this has been something you know on my, on my calendar which I've been looking forward to for the last few weeks yeah. since I finished my because I, I was doing the show over Christmas and I finished that on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. So it's always nice psychologically when you finish one job to go, oh, at least I've got something else to look forward to. I yeah. think that's that's quite you know as a working actor, it's psychologically it's very helpful. It's very healthy to have that sort of a, I've got something to perform in, yes. <laughs> sort of like on the yes. horizon. Yeah. Um, but. Um, yeah, no, it's. I think this this year, because uh, for the benefit of anyone who doesn't who does doesn't know how these things work, the Improvathon it's kind of a format that was developed by Dynasty Theatre um, in Edmonton in in, in Canada, um, yeah. and it's kind of like a it's good that the format is really called the Soapathon, so it's like a rolling soap opera. Um, in this case, of twenty five two hour or hour and three quarter long episodes. Um, with a cast of improvisers uh, of about sort of twenty or thirty who try and do the whole thing, try to do the whole fifty hours. Yeah. And then there were people. There are people who join in different shifts. Yes. So you might have people who just do the Saturday. Yeah. You know, like we started at seven o'clock on Friday night and went through until nine o'clock on Sunday evening. Wow. So some people joined it from halfway through. Some people yes. only did the first sort of twelve hours or something. Like you with the Liverpool, with yes. the Liverpool show the other year. Yes. Um, but each time there's there's kind of like a strong theme or a world that we're building. And mm-hmm. with the London one this year, it was in this beautiful venue called Wilton's Musical, which is a, uh, you know, uh, which you will have seen on s- screen innumerable times every time you need to have a kind of like a, a, a period musical because it's this amazing Victorian building. And mm-hmm. uh, the theme this year was kind of like a Lord of Thrones. So it was like a, Oh, um, yes. Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones mashup. Right. And so, as you can imagine, we, you know, the first, the first sort of 10, 12 hours of that is building the world of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've seen, I saw the first series of Game of Thrones about five years ago, so I vaguely knew that. I know Tolkien a lot better. But we're all coming along with characters. We, all the improvisers come along with a character and a costume and a reason to be there. And, the, and then it goes on from there, really. And then uh, and there's a director who calls the shots from the side of the stage. So, as you can imagine, each, each episode, which is, an hour and three quarters with about 30 odd people that you can draw on. Yeah. The director's job is to make sure everyone gets a good crack of the whip, but um, he will so, you know, he'll call the scene like, um, he or she will call the scene uh, like, um, okay, character X meets character Y and they go to the enchanted forest or something. Or mm-hmm. we find out the reason why X um, did such and such to Y. And so his is the role to, um, make sure that there's an, there's an overarching plot as well as a lot of fun in each episode. So, you know, the audience can come along to one episode, you know, just, just to see the yes. whole, just one hour and three quarter things on, or they can try and stay for the whole 50. And certainly there's, there's a group of, there are a group of devotees. I think there were about 30 odd people this year who came along with their sleeping bags and wow. tried to join us the whole weekend. So it's a wonderfully, as enormous com- camaraderie. Yes. Um, Yes, I I remember. Uh, I mean, when when I did that, the one, the Liverpool one, it was impropriety. Yeah. The great guys, it was Rosie and the guys in impropriety. Yes, and Angie and Trevor. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember being briefed in, and by that point, it's kind of like I'd been doing improv eight years, and I had a bit of an ego on us, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know what I'm doing. It's all, it's all good. Yeah. It's all good. And and yeah. and I remember Rosie saying, it's kind of like you cannot break the show. 
do not worry. There'll be a point about six hours in where you think you've ruined yeah. everything. And it's kind of like, oh, no, I don't think that'll be me. Six hours later, what am I doing? What am I doing? I'm running out of scenes, and I've been given two offers, and I've knocked them both back. It's kind of, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I think because you... I, I found that I, with it being my first one, there was yeah. definitely a ch- the chances of going into stir crazy territory at a certain point. Just, well, just because it's, you're, it's, you know, yeah. how 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 often, how long can you sustain being present? Yeah, on a regular yeah, basis. And yeah. I think yeah, my, my way of doing that is, is you're you're playing a character as opposed to you know I I, I you know, obviously when I trained with the spontaneity shop that was all sort of short form stuff. Yeah, you know, doing it in a kind of uh, the format say were maestro and guerrilla impro and then theatre sports eventually with it. So it's very game based. Yeah. Um, obviously, you wouldn't be able to do that for fifty hours, and I think it would get quite wearing for the audience to watch. But mm-hmm. so as a result, it's much more theatrical there are certain sort of like short film sort of structures that you put in place so so you know one scene and now we're going to see a scene in between buskin the magic cobbler and sort of like evil gary and they're all going to speak in three line three you know three word sentences or whatever just just to shake things up after you know you've been on stage for 40 hours but that's the, the, the main thing is about the overarching story and also the thing which is nice about it is as a performer, you don't feel you have to bring the funny instantly all the time. The funny will happen. Yes. And I think that's, that, that's, that's another thing as well. It's, it's like we were saying before about sort of how um, you don't have to be the funniest guy on stage all the time. You, mm-hmm. Know? Mm-hmm. you don't have to try and push it. You know, uh, the laughs, laughs will find themselves. But also the potential for lots of different, um, lots of different kinds of uh, the, the tones of scene as well. You know, there's been some really sort of, you know, tear-jerking stuff yes. coming out of improvisations, also because yes. we're all hugely sleep-deprived, so your emotions are slightly, yeah. <laughs> slightly more yeah, rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort yes. of, um, yes. I, th- I don't know if you were there in the one that you and I did, because it, uh, it was the fantasy land, wasn't it? It when, was, uh, it was the one where you were busking the fairy cobbler. Yes, I was, yeah, yeah, and, uh, and uh, the, the, I think the, the penultimate episode where uh, Oberon, the king of the fairies, was killed, and yes. we had a funeral for him the following episode, and that was very emotionally sort of uh, it was. charged. You yeah. Know. So one, I think one of the guys couldn't stop crying for about for about an hour afterwards. Yeah, was <laughs> you know, a... trying to hold himself together on stage, but it it does get you to rather to a to, to an altered an altered frame of mind. But um, it's, it was, it's, it, it, yeah. You, know, I, you can I... replace yourself as a performer, and I think I think that's a crucial thing as well. Yes, you know, because obviously, you know, it, it is my job, and there are certain professional skills I have in order to sort of. You know, the difference between doing an amateur run of a play and a professional one is it an amateur one you might be doing five nights or something if you're lucky, mm-hmm. um, but a professional run like the show I did over Christmas, you're doing twelve shows a week, you know, for the best part of a month, fifty-five shows or whatever, and you've got to keep each one fresh. So inevitably, you you know, part of the skill is actually sort of you know, it's it, it building up that kind of endurance. But equally, being able to surprise yourself on stage that's that's crucial. As yeah. well, and keeping it live, and the audience is always different, and the audience will always want to. It's, it's always a new show for the audience, and you've got to keep that. And so the improvisation, the improvisational skills of, of listening and sort of finding it every evening is, yeah, it, it, it's another thing which which helps keep it. Yeah, helps keep it, the, the ball in the air in that respect. Yeah, I mean, you you said earlier on in the interview, you said it's like it's, it's a foundation, and I think that's yeah. that's you know that's what it is. And obviously, yeah. you can be an actor without having that foundation, oh, but yes. it's a really useful tool to have. Exactly for what you're yeah. saying is kind of it keeps you fresh. And do do you ever found have there ever been instances where it's kind of you you find yourself in the midst of say a professional production of a theatre thing, and and you feel like you're kind of you know for one reason or another you're on a your energy's like a seven out of ten, so you need to find something there and then to pull yourself out of it yeah i think yeah that's obviously yeah it's that weird thing when you're when you're on stage saying lines and there's a little man on your shoulder so whispering and whispering things in your ear it's like ah, you don't know that line you almost got that wrong ah there's, there's always yeah. this devil's advocate that's sort of like keeps you on your toes yes. yeah in that kind of respect but um you know the, the, the monitor going on but um 
Yeah, I, I, I think so. inevitably, you know, over the course of, I mean, I did sort of the 39 steps on, on tour from nine months. Wow. You know, so I don't know how many productions there were of that that we did. But so obviously some, you know, some days you might have a hangover. Other days, you know, you're, sort of, you're fighting, a, you're fighting flu or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's, it, it, it's, you know, that, that, that's part, that's part of the job as a professional performer to actually sort of, to keep yourself, to keep yourself going. And cer- certainly some of the, um, yeah, so some, some of the, again, it's, I think it's an instinct. So more than anything, a specific tool that I can name offhand. Yeah. But the, the, the skill of the improviser to sort of remind yourself that, yeah, just don't, you don't just coast. You know, you don't go, right, I'm walking to this part of the stage because that's what I do on this line. You know, that's, yeah. that's the end of anything. You know, giving them choreography as opposed to dancing. It's kind of, um, there are two, there are, there are two different, different ways into it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I seem to remember someone saying when, when, when Matt Smith was first cast as Doctor Who, um, cause David Tennant had come from a, this, I mean, this is just, it's, it's hearsay, so it's just what yeah. I've heard, where David Tennant was very particular about his early performances to get it yes. right, whereas Matt Smith, early doors, was trying it very, lots of different ways, uh, out of yeah, the box. Well, just, I, mean, I, suppose, I, suppose, I, 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 I didn't work with David as much on screen, but certainly I could tell, you know, at the read through for David's, the, the episode that I did with David, um, mm-hmm. he was on it, you know, he was virtually off book, you know, when we we're doing the read through, you know, I, and also the thing is he, he, he was, he and Catherine Tate, it was the biggest program on television by then. So yes. it was very much, hello, welcome to our show. Boom. And so, you know, you were very much that he was, you know, already at about sort of 65, 70% off the space. Whereas Matt was much the whole case of like, okay, you know, didn't give the impression of not being unfamiliar with the text, but sort of, mm. um, you know, at the read-through, just kind of, oh, let's just try knocking about the thing is. And certainly he would construct things more in front of you and just try around, you know, try lots of different takes with the camera. Right. I, don't know, I didn't see David work as much, but I think he was much more a case of, okay, this is how I'm going to do this and this and this. Yeah. And so slightly more meticulous in his preparation. But, I mean, that, that's that's only as much as I... As I saw, so that's that's possibly an unfair generalisation. Yeah, no. But, that, uh, as I say, this yeah. is I'm, I'm not kind of pinning anything yeah. down. I'm just saying it's kind of yeah. like it's it's interesting to see how different people work in different ways. That there's yeah, and, par- and it's parallels. Difference. Yeah, and the difference between between screen acting and theatre acting is that screen does allow you to actually sort of try multiple takes of things and sort of, and then it's in the gift of the director or the editor, or you know increasingly the producer to actually just go, okay, no, we want that one, we want that take, yeah, that take there, you know, because can give you a completely different spin on things, you know, depending on you know, but you've given them the option. Yeah. Yes, and so you know, if you have the luxury of shooting scenes more than once, you know, which which on certain sort of programs now, you know, so like I mean, something like Doctors is quite notorious for sort of bashing out, you know, or soap operas, you know, soap operas in general, they they they're up against it, and so like so, soap acting is a very particular skill. You've got to give a you know a a a, a, a broadcastable performance in possibly one two takes is a luxury, and so you know, my my hat goes off to them in terms of you know five days a week producing producing something that can that can go out on prime time TV, you know. It's yeah, strange. cool. Okay, we'll come a little bit more up to date then. Um, kind of, I guess, similar question but different show. You work on Class Dismissed. Yes. Which yeah. is like the CBB's sketch show. CBBC, thank you. CBBC C-B-B's. sketch show. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, that's two different things. <laughs> Slap my hands. Yeah, so that's a sketch show. And I mean, and I look at that. I've watched a few episodes of that. And it's kind of like, I don't know how it's made as such, but I. I look at it and it looks like it might be similar to the American way where there's a little bit of devising on the fly as it goes. Is is it is it tied tightly to the script? How much how it much room do you have less, to play yeah. about? Yeah, it's, 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 I think it's um, yeah. It, 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 again, you'd be surprised how much it is. It, it, it does stick to um, it does stick to the uh, to, to the printed page. Uh, I think okay. just 
just just simply by virtue of that, that lots of things have to be signed off. And especially right. with children's te- television, the BBC, you know, they're very, very keen on compliance, mm-hmm. you know, just yeah, for, 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 for very good reasons. Um, but, you know, so, so, so when, you know, by the time we get the script, it is quite a considered document. That is that is to say, you know, that if, if you do come up with a sort of like a, a particular reading of a line or some, some other sort of variation on it yeah. in performance, then, yeah, of course, they're going to go with that. But as a as case in point, you know, um, a, you know, not not completely dissimilar from soap operas, but it, it is a kind of case, you know, you're up against it filming because we had sort of six weeks to film in the school. You know, we're, we were filming on location in a school for the benefit of anyone who hasn't seen it. It's kind of um, um, it's shot faux documentaries, show, it's, it's shot faux documentary style. So um, it's a bit like educating Cardiff or educating Essex or whatever. Yeah. So all the camera angles are like sort of hidden camera type things and all the kids are normal. Um, a sane and all the teachers who are played by uh, adult actors are all nuts mm-hmm. and um, each of us plays about sort of six six or seven different characters yeah you know so I play <clears throat> the first time I play the drama teacher <clears throat> the deputy head um, the caretaker you know so you get an idea that you have sort of lots of different wigs lots of different hats yeah um, but because you're up against it schedule wise and this is true of you know Doctor Who but it's, it's in, a, in a slightly different way but true of any sort of television programme time is of the essence so you know really two takes is a bit of a luxury so you, you most of the time you've got to bang it out as it is on the page mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's and that's 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 the primary thing that is to say we we had we did have um certainly for the second series when we came back to it um we did have a kind of a little workshop day where we talked about how some of our characters might develop and we talked about sort of certain ideas you know so basically memories that you have from school was everyone's sort of like had memories of going to school and teachers being weird so some of that yeah. fed into the actual yeah. series but yeah. it's usually through the filter of having a scriptwriter. yeah um occasionally there have been sort of slightly more improvised bits but i think just by virtue of the fact that if you've got um a scene being a one-take wonder. Sometimes, if it's a little bit rough around the edges and whatever, then yeah, the bits, bits of uh, the the performance feels more improvised than it might do if it were more kind of. <laughs> yeah. Those small times are refined. Okay. But uh, but yeah, also you're doing it in front of an audience of of kids, some of whom are extras, and you're you're, you're keeping that live as well. So that's there's there's always because with TV you don't get very much rehearsal time. No. So it always feels like it's uh, like it's like it's something new as well. So uh, yeah. 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 How, how much? I mean, you you briefly mentioned there what I was going to lead into was like how much input did you have on say character development for the characters within that? Do you workshop the characters much early doors? Yeah, no, the first series not so much, but I think by the second series they were they were aware of all the different performers they've got and sort of uh, what we can bring to the table yeah. as well. Um, and so I'm playing to our different strengths and stuff. So yeah, it was um, yeah. So again, so there's not something. That uh, you know, I, I wasn't writing any of my own stuff, and in any case, you know, there's there's quite a demarcation. It's, it's, it's a thing about British TV in general. It's like there's much more of demarcation than there is in the states, say, between mm-hmm. writers and performers and producers and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, like like you know, you know, you, you've got the kind of uh, you've got that sort of Disney with the various American series where sort of people have just simply because the improvisation infrastructure in the states yes. is yes. so much yes. more embedded. It's it's you know improvisation here is it's, it's a growing scene but it's it's a, it's a much younger one and so you know still you know they when you, whenever you see improvisation on screen it's it's very difficult to break out that paradigm of whose lines anyway which is great but it's only one tip of the iceberg of a much yes, larger very much so yeah yeah much larger thing but as a result because there are a few producers who perhaps have encountered it then there's less filtering through there's less yeah. it's it, it's interesting I mean I think, I think it's I think it's how how people find their way into into performing in front of a camera and i think a generation or two ago 
you know, lots of directors would have been actors themselves, you know, a mm-hmm. producer might have come from a directing background, whereas now it's much more, there's no one way into the industry, you know, so, you know, an actor 50 years ago, Ian McKellen or something, would have done rep, would have done something else, would have done something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So more, more of a progression. But now, any which way but loose, you know, you can find yourself in there. So as a result, sometimes a producer will not have an appreciation of what it is to actually write a sketch. Or, or what it's like actually performing something. I mean, yes. all the ones I, most of the ones I work with are excellent, you know, and actually do have that sensitivity mm-hmm. and appreciation. But it's, it, you can't, yeah, there, 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 there is a, there's a siloing, I think is, is the technical phrase for it, of right. different skills. So yeah. you're an actor, so you don't, you don't make up lines, you say them. And so, um, yeah, 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 yeah. That is, yeah, that's, that, that, that is a tendency as well. Or sort of, you're a producer, so, you know, I, I want a series a bit like this. So, uh, yeah, write me that. It's like, yeah. So it's kind of, yeah. um, no, yeah. that make, that makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, it's kind of that's that's kind of what I'm trying. That's part of the reason for this podcast to kind of yeah. dr- drill yeah. into those subtleties of kind of like because it, it it seems that when I when I you do talk to people about kind of them bringing the concept of improvisation into their work, it boils a lot down to trust. Yeah, in that yeah, thing yeah. where yeah. you know, as as you're saying, once the people know who they're working with, like an improv, once you know who you're working with, the trust's there. Yeah. It's going. But you're right. Obviously, there is a level of demarcation between. Well, I've written this and I've written the written word, and I get paid as a writer. Yeah, versus... exactly. And, and lots of it is to do, you know, for perfectly valid reasons. Writers want to get paid properly, and so like performers yeah. want to get paid properly to do that. And also, if you're a writer, if you're a performer, and then you end up writing stuff, then you can start. It can build up, you know, sort of resentment of going, right? I actually wrote that line. Why am yeah. I not getting the adequate remuneration for it? But um, yes. you know, that's that's uh, and and certainly there's things like you know advert castings which lots of lots of impro improvisers I know so I slightly resent getting called on yes. uh, casting derby without thirty yes. other people turning up for some you know massive corporation with a very poorly written script and then a line of suits on the other side of the uh, of the room basically getting their terrible idea workshop for free by lots of talented performers yes but, i've heard horror stories that a lot yeah, of those lines yeah. where literally lines have ended up in adverts yeah, that have been improvised yeah. by particular people at that time yeah and it's kind so, of like yeah it's the it's the attributed value of what's being done in the room at the time completely and then, and then you can see why you know people might be encouraged to do a work for rule work to rule sort of type type thing as a fact no i go there i say the lines on your head be it you know it's yeah. kind of um but yeah i mean this this, this this it's a much wider much much wider debate than, than just improvisation but i mean yeah. lots, lots of people especially with things like doctor who and things like that oh yeah well clearly you made that line up and it's like well, no that's 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 me making a script sound like I'm saying it. That's that's what acting is. Yes. That's what the job is. You know, even if you're doing, the point is, if you're doing Shakespeare, the point is is to say it as if it's the first time it's been said. Yes. And so, yeah. you know, I think improvisation can very much help with that. But sort of, it's kind of uh, that's that's you know, make, minting minting phrases afresh. That's kind of uh, that's 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 what it's all about. Nice. I like that. I like the way you put that. Um, okay. So just in wrapping up, uh, what are you up to at the minute, Dan? What's on, what's on your plate? So oh speak? Lord. At the moment, what am I doing? Uh, I'm doing some writing at the moment. Um, I, uh, I'm do, I do lots of audio work as well. I sort of do, um, I, yeah, I work for, um, a company called big finish audio who do audio doctor who adventures and amongst yes. other things. And I, I, I do just general voice work as well. And, uh, and as, as ever, I'm waiting to hear back on a couple of things, which will fully change the complexion of what I'm doing for the next couple of months. But I, I'm not going to jinx it by saying what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you, you, you know, it's, it's, it's the nature of it. You sort of turn up. Um, it, it's, it's actually, it's, it's very useful. Like with something like the doctor who audition that I had, you know, nearly 10 years ago now. Yeah. If I'd realised how much my subsequent career would be based on that meeting, that one meeting, then yeah. I wouldn't have been able to go in there and function. 
But, you know, you just go up there on the day and you do as good a job, good a job as you can. Yes. I was a huge Doctor Who fan when I was a kid, so I knew what I was talking about, what I was talking about. But um, it's, it's just, it just goes to show you just turn up, you do as well as you can in the room and then throw it away and try not to think about it. You know, yeah. all you can do is, is be as good as you can do. And you sort of try and second guess what do they, what do they think they want? I think yes. because it's such a, you know, because acting is such an oversubscribed industry, you know, they want someone who's half an inch shorter than you with one green eye, one blue eye. They can find that sort of person in the casting directories or something. Yes. So you might as well go in there, uh, you know, go with your gut, do your homework and make sure you quit yourself well. But then after that, it's, you know, it's not in anyone's gift and try and keep yourself busy enough. So you're not sort of crippling yourself with, yeah, with, yeah. with, with, with worry that you have you've got something I haven't, which is, yeah. which is my glib way of, uh, <laughs> glib way of negotiating the acting world. But, uh, yes. Cool. Um, Dan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, uh, thank you. It was, I, 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 I got in touch and I just said, Oh, can I, can I speak to Strax? It's like, yes, can I speak to Strax? But yeah. Strax is here. He can be called up at, uh, <laughs> awesome. two different times. Wonderful. Any uh, battlefield will, 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 yes. <laughs> Have grenade <laughs> Man, I could listen to that all day. That is too much. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Dan Starkey, thank you very much. And thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed it, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher or the Facebook page. The website, bringabrinkpodcast.com, has detailed show notes for all the guests with links to them and their work. If you want to contact me, John Cooper, get in touch and I'll do my best to answer your questions or point you in the right direction. There is a Patreon page where you can help fund the production of the show. If you're enjoying what you're listening to and want to become a Patreon, please click on the link on the website homepage. Contributions go towards website hosting, the time it takes to produce the show, it takes ages, and allows me to work on new content that's hopefully valuable, entertaining, and informative. Contributions are based on every new episode released. Personally, I believe that good production values are key to getting more exposure, so everything is greatly received. Just think of it like you're buying me a coffee, and I'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>